0: Good day, Paul McLaughlin. McLaughlin at work here on the west side of Manhattan. The Workwalk, speaking today with Roy M. Spence, the author of "It's Not What You Sell, It's What You Stand For." Subhead: Why Every Extraordinary Business Is Driven by Purpose. Picture has uh, Roy sitting on a park bench. He's sitting on a bar stool in the morning, <laughs> Palace Hotel, with the Workwalk. Your audio guide to the workplace. Take tackling an interesting. Uh, book, which will be, um, when's the pub date on this?
1: Uh, it's out now. It it's just out, came now. out It just, just came out.
0: All right, and with a good um, good lead-in from Jim Collins, author of Good to Great, uh, Roy Spence, and I quote, "is a brilliant, sparkling gem, dedicated to the idea that true greatness comes in direct proportion to passionate sp- pursuit of a purpose beyond money." He has inspired and changed leaders in every sector. Roy, thanks for joining me this morning. Oh, it's great to be with you. Um, I want to hear what. The book is as it's published, and then ultimately, I want to get into since you and our you and I are of an age, I'd like to get into <laughs> how relevant this is today. Yes, sir. You wrote the book with your colleague uh, I Haley Rushing. Rushing,
1: my chief purposeologist. Per- P- I-, I couldn't pronounce that, <laughs> and I didn't know whether
0: you, the, you had an accent on the no, e at the end no, of purpose. No, but just purposeologist. You, you say that well from Texas. Um, But I want to get into the relevance of the book now. Obviously, it was written before or in the process uh, of 2001 thereafter. Uh, You've been in business for a long time. Give us a little bit about yourself before we get into the book.
1: Well, well, first of all, it's great to be with you, Paul. Uh, We are of the same age, very young, forever young, I hope. Uh, But um, I went to the University of Texas, Hook'em Horns. Warnborn Nation. Yeah. I started a business. That, that burnt orange color. Yeah, that kind of strange, but yep. love it. Yeah, have to. Um, I grew up in the age of Marshall McLuhan. Medium mm-hmm. was the message. I started a business in 1970 called Media 70 in college with my partners. That was our first great marketing lesson because it was perfect until January the 1st, 1971. Don't name your company after a year. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. So, A <laughs> lesson well learned, and it's like Brazil 66. Yeah. yeah, but uh, so uh, or Y2K, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, we literally, long story short, we, we graduated. My partners and I looked at each other, and we had three very audacious goals stay together, stay in Austin, and not work for anybody. 40 years later, uh, in Austin. Uh,
0: pardon my parochialism, Austin wasn't much then, was it? No, in fact, I would, I would,
1: I would, uh, well, it's always been something, but uh, I would fly around, I'd say I'm from Austin, and people would say, oh, Boston's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you didn't sound like Boston. But, uh, <laughs> but something happened uh, when we worked with Austin City Limits, and Waylon and Willie and the boys came, right. and... Yeah. Uh you have a great university there and you have the state capital. Right. But anyway we And some red ants, right? And we are there we, red ants at well, not so much anymore. Oh no, is that right? No, it's Austin's more blue than red now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well played. Thank you, sir. Right. But um long story short, uh, we uh we started a business and uh and we've been together almost forty years and I always tell people everybody wants to be a partner, they just don't wanna deal with the partnership. Right. Everybody wants to be a friend. They just don't want to deal with a friendship. Yeah, the leadership, right? The relationship. Yeah. But the ship is where it all happens. If you stay together and you hang together and you work together, if you stay in the ship together, um, it's it's part of the great journey. So
0: it, interesting that you mentioned that about that time because it was at that time when the the notion of partnership really became unbundled in America. Yes, that's and, right. And, uh, interesting. You know, late '60s, early '70s, when law firms lost their way. No yep. longer were partners. Uh, a large portion of the private financial institutions left the partnership. Um, you guys obviously had incorporated to protect yourself. Exactly right. Um, so, it part it, it, did, more, was it, is that
1: an issue then? No, it actually was more a, um, a relationship idea versus a corporate idea. Okay. Uh, you know, I think that the more you can deal with people as partners in the ship, no matter what the legal entity says uh the better the trust the better relationship which again the book addresses when consumers look at having a partnership with a brand. Right. What do they look for? Right. So it's more of a I don't want to say spiritual but more of a relationship yeah. bond than a legal bond. So and, and uh G
0: S D and M idea City, each one of those is an initial last name of your
1: partners. Yes sir. Uh so and uh, and we still are together and uh we still obviously after thirty-some-odd thirty eight years we have different interests and we have different roles but we started together we're gonna to finish together that's great and then and that's uh, that's rare it's rare it's like it, marriage it's yeah. just you know it's and, and i'm not trying to hold it up as something special it's just the way we chose to to uh... live our business life and uh... I always like your little quote your life is your your life is your work and you work what is it your life is your work and your work is your life yeah and I think that we'll talk more about that but that's one of the reasons I wrote the book
0: well in, in, the, in the interest of, of the book uh, being about purpose that business is driven by purpose you and uh and haley rushing um sowed the seed of this idea uh, uh, 30 years after to write the book and and i th- maybe you can tell our good listeners what the uh what the question that you posed to her uh that was really the germ of the the seed for this book
1: 1991 uh i actually wrote a, a kind of an op-ed piece for ad week which is our one of our trade magazines and the Uh, concept of the article was what you stand for is going to be as important as what you sell and that was 1991. I started I don't see dead people but I do kind of see around the corner every now and then Uh and I started looking at consumers uh, this is almost 20 years ago trying to figure out how they do business with organizations not only of great value but values. Right. Yeah, and it was sort of the beginnings of this idea of, gosh, I'd like to do some business with people whom I believe in and, and I, I trust. And so it kept gnawing at me. Right. And then Jim Collins really took me over the edge. Uh, yeah. I was flying uh, on Southwest Airlines, plug for my client, from somewhere to nowhere. And yeah, we, we,
0: we've had uh, one of the former CEOs who's been on with his book. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Herb. Uh, you know, uh, is it Parker?
1: Oh, yeah, Jim Parker. Jim Parker yeah, wrote a, a book on uh, getting it right or yeah. doing it good or something like something, that. Yeah, great, great guy. The good, really great guy. But anyway, I got off the plane, but there was USA Today uh, newspaper. first it was just when it came out. And in fact, Herb Kelleher, a great friend of mine who started Southwest, said, I've I'm the only CEO in America with an attention span so small that I have to get USA Today summarized in the morning. <laughs> but that's another story. Uh, USA, love that. <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, and there was this article about a book called Built to Last. Uh-huh. And I, was, I looked at it, and it was written by Jim Collins and Porus. Uh, and the truth is, I couldn't pronounce the other guy's name, so I picked up the phone and called Jim Collins. And I said, you don't know me. And I don't know you, but your book is out called Built to Last. And he said, wow, you're one of the first people who's called. And the premise of that book, Paul, was this, that the visionary <laughs> companies, the ones that are built to last, right, have a set of core values that they will not violate, even in the price of an economic pressures, set of core values, and they have a core purpose beyond making money. Yeah. And therefore, they make more. Jim Collins, long story short, came down uh, and spoke to our company. We went through a whole purpose project. This was years and years ago. Yeah, but but
0: this was still in the 90s, though. Yeah, this is the 90s. And
1: then he wrote the other book, Good to Great. Right. And we were kind of a beta site test with him on the whole idea of how you move from good to great. And so at one moment after the Good good to Great uh, book came out, we invited Jim back down to Austin, to Uh Idea City. About 5.30 in the morning, he knocks on my door. I'm at the office between 4.30 and 5 every morning. And um, he said, I've got it. I said, got what? He said, what, you can be the best in the world at. And I went, okay. And he said, look around you, the clients that you've attracted, whether it's the PGA Tour or... Uh, Walmart then or Southwest Airlines or right. Chili's the Chili Heads he said you've attracted all of these great companies of great purpose you can be the best in the world at attracting purpose-based clients and delivering visionary ideas that make a difference and that's how we started i got to write the book i got to write the book wow and he became a spiritual uh confidant with me uh on the book because men don't get to have babies Right, but you, when you have, when you birth a book, I'm not making any comparisons, but it's no. like the the labor of love that you put into it is right. amazing. Well, so that it, was the. Would emphasis. you ever have a
0: second child? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did a, I, I actually uh, maybe a <laughs> little more to come on. Good, that. good, good for you. Uh, I have three great children by yeah. the way.
0: No, I, I I read the acknowledgments. Yeah, uh, very very well put. Um, on the issue of purpose, and and I should. Uh, clarify for those, Roy Spence uh, here with me, Paul McLaughlin, The Workwonk, uh, your audio guide to the workplace. We're talking about, really a, about selling and about what's more than selling. If you focus on the selling and you don't have what you stand for, it's a little empty and it will go away. And We've seen a lot of those go away recently. But yes, sir. The, the issue of purpose, uh, well, let's go back to the first 20 years between 70 and 90, when consumers weren't thought of the same way, brands yep. certainly weren't yep. thought of the same way, advertising wasn't what it is today, internet hasn't come in. Yep. Um, and I'm gonna ask you a question and then put that in the back of our mind and we can return to it. But in the, in the current economic environment, when we are, if we're not in the ashes, we just don't know how much is burned down yet. Yep. Right. And we're gonna need something to get us out. Yep. Uh, we're just on the verge of, uh, of something that went terribly wrong yesterday, at least yep. the markets reacted that way. We don't yep. know how the American public will, but I'd, I'd like you to give some thought to what purpose means in in circa 2009 to 2011, um, okay. as it may be different from when you were trying to harness purpose for a, a, at a different age through the 90s it's, and yeah.
1: the 2000s. It's a great point. I I. Um, I think T.S. Eliot had it right, though. I think uh, you never cease to explore, but when it's done, you go back to where you started right. and know the place for the first time. Yeah. Um, I have two comments about today's environment. I think when the ashes... Don't make them long, because I want to come back to them. But okay. You, you Just give real us quickly. Your, your, your when the ashes are proceed. settled off, off this economic Armageddon, yeah. the only people left standing are the people who are going to stand for something. Okay. And I think that when I say about now, Did T. you just Elliot, come up with that? It's good, isn't it? Yeah, very good. Let's, let me say that again. standing we'll here at yeah, a, uh, in a <laughs> bar at uh, 9.30 <laughs> in the morning. This is a much later uh, day I, thought. T.S. Eliot was right. People want to do business with people whom they trust. Right. And if you look at the core idea of purpose, it is about companies and organizations who fundamentally believe that their business... I always tell people, well, you know, CEOs, well, what business are you in? Well, we're in the the business of making money. And I go, no. Now, the only company I know in America that's in the business of making money is the federal government. They actually have a plant. They print the money. They make the money. You say they have a plan or a plant? (laughs) They have a plant. They have a manufacturing plant. They make money. Right. Everybody else has to make a difference, make products or services that make a difference in people's lives. I say, you're not in the money-making business. That's a byproduct of making a difference. And those who get it in the next, you said, now through 2011 will come back to it. I think the only organizations, America, states, I have a lot of thought about the purpose of America, too. Okay, good. The only people who are going to make it are the ones who are making a difference in people's lives. All right. You sell stuff that makes a difference in people's lives, they'll buy it. Got
0: it. I think that works. Uh, Works for me. I, I think it's an interesting concept. Um, size, size, and purpose. I noticed that you um, relatively recently sold your company. Uh, we are you're, we're you're part now on, part of part on, of a larger the company.
1: Com, yeah, it was a, it was 19, it was nineteen nineties. Uh, we did it, and we did it for a reason of wanting to have a global connection without having to move around the world. Right? Does it work for you? Perfectly. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I'm, Omnicom, going on this, I'm
0: going on this line sort of on the, on the theory of you know, size it, matters. And yeah, you, you know, guys started in Texas. You had uh, Southwest Airlines. You yeah. had a lot of notable clients. Right. But I'm just curious if you can reflect now that it's been some 15 years on, on what it does to Austin to become part of a yeah. larger, much larger enterprise with all of the frictions that yeah. go along and, and, the, yeah. and
1: the impacts on purpose when you're, when you're dealing with a larger entity. You know, it's a really great question, Paul. Uh, You always have to make decisions on who you want to partner with, what ship you want to be in. Right. Omnicom is a ship that we like because it was built on entrepreneurship. And the whole organization here and around the world is right next door. Uh, John Wren built his company on the belief system that entrepreneurs ought to have once, even when you sell, ought to have the right to run your business. Now, of course, there's some rules and regulations you've got to have, but we have very little friction because we agreed in principle on the ship, what the ship looked like. Okay. I don't know if purpose, and in fact, I, I, I pushed back on it a little bit. I don't think it really has anything to do with size. I think it has to do with, do you understand why you get up and go to work? And as you talk a lot about in your stuff is, and I believe this, I, I, I think that when you have a job, you have a job to make money. When you have work to do, you, you, you are in the business to make a difference. Right. And in the process of doing your work, you make money. Right. Well, do or care the way the
0: Chinese put it, if you, if you do, you're doing something you like, you never work a day in your life. That's
1: exactly the way I feel. Yeah. And. And, and and if every day I wake up, if there's like a job to do, if I feel like I have a job, it's not many days I do that. It's no fun. So, you know, as Aristotle said, my good buddy, that he said, uh, "Is he from Texas?" <laughs> yeah, Austin. Yeah, Austin. Sure. Yeah, not, that's, yeah, that's right. It's you not have to say Texas. where in Texas. Uh, he's not from Austin, Texas. Yeah, and, and I knew his wife. But um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, as Aristotle said, so brilliantly, is my partner. Haley Rushing, my purposeologist, said that Aristotle said, Where the needs of the world and your talent intersect, therein lies your vocation or your purpose. Right. And uh, I read that quote it, in the book. It, and I really think that's where great cultures are born. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've seen, and I've, I've, got, I've been through a lot, of this book. It's not like an observation book. I got to fly with Sam Walton when he was the pilot. I got to fly with Herb Kelleher when he wasn't. I got to be up close and personal with I'm glad you didn't have to land in the Hudson. <laughs> I don't, man. I respect them. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I got to be around the BMW folks here and around the world, and the John Deere companies. That All of them are just steeped, and they know why they're there. Right. They know what they're serving. And um, as we get through th- the ashes again, I think purpose is not going to be ooey gooey. It's not something ethereal. Right. It is going to be, if you are in the business to improve lives, like the show you're trying to produce here, are uh-huh. you trying to improve people's knowledge enlightenment? Right. If you're not there, no one's going to demand it. The wallets are now shut. Right. And they're not going to open up except for organizations, period, that are in the business to improve their lives. Purpose- Perhaps more important in bad times than in good. I think it is, and I think it is because you can either purpose is your anchor and your north star. It both. It's both. And again, I didn't know any of this. I learned it on this journey. Right. It's your anchor in tough times, and it's your north star once the seas calm. If you don't have purpose, Paul, you're not have an anchor or a north star. Look at the banks. Look at the financial institutions. Look at the uh, car manufacturers. For what purpose are they there now? Right. They neither have an anchor or a north star. I think both of them can get it again, because banks were built when, for when a you, When you say get it again, I'll leave banks
0: for because I want to come back to Sandy Weil and the thought of the supermarket and and that how that star may have imploded uh, for a very long time. Come yep. back to that. Um, when you were in the business of uh, and we and I'd like to get some of your stories about your clients and we've actually shared them. Uh, we have shared experience with. My, I worked with the American Legacy Foundation yeah, uh, for right, some time. Right. Yeah. Um When uh, Bill Novelli was with Tobacco Free Kids, yeah. uh, I was part of the group that
1: helped bring him over to AARP. Really love uh, Bill. I just the, think he's a man of great purpose. It, I, I'm telling absolutely. you, and, and dedication. And, and yeah. he's and he's a steady, steady,
0: steady person. Right. I mean, AARP is an institution. Yes. Um, but when you when you look back on the times, uh, say with the, with the car folks, you made the comment. You think that they will find it again? Yes. Did they did Did they ever have purpose much after Ford? A- absolutely. I I mean, did, 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 every in the seventy in, in our business lifespan.
1: Yeah. Were they running with purpose um, in seventies and eighties? I, I don't I don't know. I wasn't up close and personal with them. But here's what I do know: any organization, whether it is a university. Georgetown, with Jack running it, or uh, a a country or a state, any organization that has been built over time. Yep. If you dust off everything, if you dig back down, they started that business for a reason. Let me give you uh, about banks just for a second. All right. I almost did an op ed piece, but I didn't. You write all your own stuff. Yes, I do. Okay. Every bit of it. in the the title of the op-ed piece that I didn't run was "The Stimulus Package and the Miracle of America." In the last decade, you can give it right now. We're doing you it right give, now. We're, we're, we're going to get, get it right now. This now. is a,
0: this is an audio.
1: Okay, friends, listen up. In the Palace Hotel. In the last decade, up to close to 80 percent of all the net new jobs created in this country in the last decade up to eighty percent of all the net new jobs created in this country were created by small business under five hundred employees eighty percent of all the corporations in america today ninety nine point seven percent are small business so we're going to spend and i understand why a trillion to two trillion dollars on seven-tenths of a percent of the businesses while if if we do not begin as banks started it goes back to my point about banks I did wrap back around they were in the business of protecting money and lending money protecting your money and lending money and they protected your money by not being foolish and they lent money to people who were going to build businesses That, that was the original purpose they protected your money and they lent the money. Because it, it was there when you needed it back. And they lent money to people who had big dreams but prudent plans. So I, I, I think that any institution, whether it's GM or Ford or Chrysler or any of the banks, if you just strip it back down, you strip it back down. You, that's right. But if you strip it down and you go back and you look at why did they exist, you can find a purpose. And I don't know about all the conglomerates, but at some point we know why banking was invented. We know why car companies were invented. Go back, dust it off, and see what your purpose is. I'd love to help them. I really would.
0: Yeah. A signed editorial. Well, let's just uh, see what we got going okay. on here, and we'll come right back. Uh, Paul McLaughlin, back with Roy Spence, We just interrupted by the management here at the <laughs> Palace Hotel, who were concerned about uh, how much of a media circus we had created. Yeah. I think that they had, that's uh, alright, thank you Ruben. Uh, Ruben's awesome, thank uh, you Ruben. Ruben is the best, and, and that's what this ought to be. We should be interrupted, uh, in, in in the 70s when Roy Spence and I got started, we very well could have seen some uh, policemen in billy clubs and helmets come in here and say, "I don't what? care who the hell you uh, are, boy." Are you about to create a riot here? Are you marching on something? <laughs>
1: That's right. Feels pretty and good. And the chances
0: doesn't? were we were. You know, in this day and age, when we just as uh, as my uh, guest Roy Spence, it's not what you sell; it's what you stand for. I was thinking about we're only a couple of hundred miles from Washington, where they tried to sell a two and a half trillion dollar package yesterday and I'm not sure that they understood the uh the uh second part of the title of Roy Spence's book it's uh, what you stand for and I think if you uh to, to not to make thank you very much Melanie not to make this uh terribly topical but uh we are on the precipice we're we're yep. looking down um, some very serious times we the, the kinds of things I like to get in again get into the clients cuz you serve a broad range of clients People who are, in spite of your comment about money, who are quite commercial. Yes, they are. are they they it, are not it, for fact, profits. Yeah, who in fact,
1: are. we uh, we believe that if you if you build your business on purpose, you'll make more money.
0: And and it, and, and, it, and it, money's it, good. And it's interesting interesting that. You, that purpose uh, also is as important to American Legacy Foundation yes, it is. and to the American Red Cross yes. as it is to Southwest
1: Airlines. It's really interesting because you were mentioning Legacy, You know, their whole idea create a, an environment where youth can reject tobacco and anyone can quit. Yep. That's a powerful purpose statement.
0: Now, did you put that? Did you work on that for actually, that with them? Uh, actually, they that? had
1: they they had developed that language before we got there. Yeah, and it was because they knew what their purpose was. Right. You know, we work with American Red Cross here and around the world. We actually did a lot of. Uh, I, I had a. I was blessed that on a pro bono basis, I had former President Bush forty one and uh-huh. Bill Clinton together, and we did all the tsunami. PSAs and we did all the Red Cross PSAs. I, I got to live with these guys on the set for days and days. N- nice to
0: see how they interacted. This
1: is the, this my point, is Paul, is that when that. you when you can get when you can harness purpose, yeah, and you can put and I'll use partisanship Please. aside. Uh, these two people ran against each other. Yeah, and one and had won and deep, one lost. One had deep-seated differences. Differences. And they came together both on the set uh, after Tsunami, and we did some spots with them, and then on the sets with Katrina, and then uh, President Bush just recently, uh, 41, called President Clinton when Ike hit and said, would you help us raise money for Texas? Within a heartbeat, I mean, I've almost got a chill. We, during the Clinton Global Initiative last year, uh, we got a camera crew, and here's former President Bush and Bill Clinton. Bill, President Bush did not have to even ask him. He, all he had said was, "Mr. President, can you help?" Yes, I will. Yeah. Now that's purpose trumps it all, and we can go back to the stimulus and the, what's going on in America right now. But at some point, America needs to understand its purpose, and our leaders need to understand what the American people think our purpose is. We did a lot of work on that, by the way. Right. I'll share with you. Uh-huh.
0: I, interesting that you say that, and partly because we're talking on a medium that I think is quite effective. Yes. When you saw in the inauguration, uh, you could, rather than read about Bush and Clinton coming together, it, 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 it clearly the respect of two now venerable states people yes. coming together in, in, in a joint purpose that yes. was larger than, any, larger than politics, larger than themselves, and a lot of people m- might not have expected that from the personalities as they were growing up. And it
1: was comforting.
0: Comforting. Very well put.
1: It yeah. was. Everybody did, felt good did. looking at it. I'm telling you, we got research back that, that after Tsunami and after Katrina, while everything was in chaos, right. there was comfort that these two gentlemen yeah. came together and said, guys and people, we are going to go do something together that will make a difference. Right. And it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to be okay.
0: And, and, and did, in large measure, that was precisely what was lacking in New Orleans.
1: Yes. Chaos to comfort. Yeah. That's Two different the trans- responses. Exactly. Chaos Human to comfort. Human condition was virtually the same. Yep. Exactly right. I hadn't thought about that. That's exactly right. You know, when, when you ask the people of this great land, and we've done this recently, a couple of years ago, we went out and asked Americans to do diaries. OK. And we had, uh, from every region, every political uh, spectrum, and to talk about the purpose of America. Yeah? And this is 200, f- 200 words a day? I don't know how many they did, I can't remember. Okay. But they did, they wrote stuff down. And you would read these diaries and you'd end up with, well, who is your hero? And you'd be reading the diary, and one might be uh, Oliver North, another might be Hillary Clinton. And in the process of reading these diaries, you did not know who their hero was going to be. And yet, everyone agreed on the same two things. On the purpose of America, would you like to know what that is? Yes, I would. When was this done? About five, six years ago. Okay. The American people believe strongly in our founding principle of a nation of the people, for the people, and by the people. Uh huh. Deep seated, out of all the things in our Constitution, and they think it's been violated. They believe it's still optimistic about it. Of the people for the people, and by the people.
0: Irrespective of the party. So they did, not, did, they did not, not
1: think the Democrats were no. more bad guys than the no, Republicans. No, they just the believed way. that it was of lobbyists or of big or of right. whatever. Yeah. And they believe that we got to return to that notion it must be of the people and by the people. And literally not as a slogan, but literally about that. That's number one. Uh uh-huh. Second thing they believe the purpose of America, and this is what I love about this country, progress itself. Always moving forward, but not leaving anyone behind. Those are the anchors of the purpose of this great country, of the people, for the people, by the people, moving forward, not leaving people behind. Right. Now think about that. If we would go reinstitute that, those principles of purpose in this nation, and I think this new administration is going to try to do that desperately. I think that there are a lot of people who are starting to understand that we've tried a lot of other things. Uh huh. my that great? That great poet, Johnny Lee, who wrote "Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places," <laughs> <laughs> translates
0: different way with every era. But I get it now in 2009. But, but
1: we've been looking for love in all the wrong places. Right. We must look for love in the purpose of this nation, and the purpose of our institutions, and the purpose of our uh, what. And so if you don't have purpose and you don't know what that is, how do you make decisions, Paul? How do you make decisions? Oh, somebody said that's the right thing to do? There's difference between purpose and policies. The world loves our purpose. They might not like our policies, and we get confused trying to spend policies instead of trying to communicate purpose. I hope we're going to do that again. I think we will. Well,
0: I, I, I agree, but I'll, I'll push back a little bit okay. and say, um, purpose with yeah, purpose in the good times might have a tendency to accept a different baseline from which you have to re-examine. People are, are have gone below <clears throat> clearly below the tree line. They've gone below the trunk line. They've, they've gotten down at the dirt to find out what are the those core yep. values yep it would be interesting were you to run uh the same diary test in 2009 is how people what what is the irreducible rule what, yep. what is that which we have to get back to to start yep. all over again Yep. um and and to put that in the form of a question with uh for the purposes of purpose do you think that there's been a Truly radical resettling in America. Do we have a new starting point, or are we going to re-examine it as if <clears throat> those same issues may still pertain? Do we just have to examine. We just have to look at them,
1: or are they burned up? I don't know. I uh, I, I think that what I've experienced over the last thirty years with. Good times and bad, and I'll, I'll I'll use one example Southwest Airlines, and then I want to answer your question directly. Uh huh. Herb used to always say, um, "In the good times." Now Herb was the founder of Herb uh, Southwest, Herb. and, and uh, it founded in uh, 1971. Okay. Um, Fortuitous for you. Yep. He used to always say, you know, and I know this sounds a little bit obvious. Always prepare for the bad times and the good time. Always prepare for the bad times and the good times, not the other way around. And uh, if you, if you have a purpose, like his was very, he didn't know how to articulate it because he was running an airline, but once we articulated the idea, and he knew it all along, that you know we're in the business to give people the freedom to fly. We're not at, after the 15%, we're after, and eight, now 85% of the American people have flown, a lot because of Southwest Airlines. Uh-huh. In the deep, troubling times in the 80s, Paul, when we had the oil embargo, if you remember, the air traffic control went on strike. I remember it well. It was tough, tough. It was those, that plus 9-11 plus now in the airline business were tough. Southwest Airlines, because they knew their purpose, never wavered. Never wavered. And I tell the Snickers story, which is a funny story. I'm sitting there, and we're starting to go long haul. Because we, we were sh- short point to right. point southwest, and I walked into a meeting with Herb, and <laughs> he met with us once a month. And I said, Herb, you know we're we're about to s- you know we're flying long haul, and the passengers are like passing out from hunger, from hunger. <laughs> from hunger. <laughs> and he said, So what do you think? And he smoked, you know. And here's what we knew: if Herb was sitting down smoking, it's okay. If he's up pacing, <laughs> if he's up pacing, not smoking, it's okay. But if he's standing, pacing, and smoking... Not good. Not good. <laughs> so he said, so Roy, what, what would you like to do to this issue? And I said, well, I've studied this a lot, Herb. We need to start serving Snickers, Snickers bars. It has peanut base, you know, it's got... We still serve peanuts, but, it's, but it has, you know, chocolate and sugar, and... and he went, and he stood up and lit a cigarette, and he started pacing, and I went, uh-oh. <laughs> He said, Roy, bad idea. He said, do you know the difference in costs between a pack of peanuts and a Snickers bar? And I went, no, but I bet you do. And he went, yes, I do. And he said, whatever, 23 cents. Do you know how many passengers we fly every year? 4 million. Do you know what 4 million times 23 cents is? I'm, I do, and whatever, it's five million nine hundred fifty dollars And then he said, by the way, Do you know the difference in weight between (laughs) what a Snickers bar weighs and a bag of peanuts? And I went, no, but I bet you do. He went, I do. Blank ounces. Do you know the single most expensive thing that we have, Roy, in the airline business? Fuel? Yes. Do you know what it would cost us adding this amount of weight if you multiply 4 million times 18 ounces? What it would cost? And he said, he'd probably $18 million, but for a rich ad guy like you, what's 18 or $20 million? He sits down, and he laughs, and he said, now, I will say this. If they start to pass out, we'll give them another bag of peanuts. <laughs> Here's my point, though. It wasn't about being cheap. Right. It was about the idea, while everybody else is doing first class, our purpose was to democratize the skies. Right. And every time you spend money on things that are nice and not necessary— every decision he made and they still with Gary Kelly today is all about every, we don't charge for bags now freedom from fees right free you know we're now kind of the new frills airline <laughs> we have pillows that are free yeah. we have peanuts that are free we have snacks that are free we have drinks that are free so the bottom line'm bringing back to you is that even when you ask the question is this a Realignment. Yeah,
0: we starting all over again, or is it? Uh...
1: I think it's just, and I don't know the answer to that, but I think those who will go back and grab a hold of what it is that they do for for their work and their life, they'll be grounded in that. As we can talk later, I'm actually walking across America, and I've gone through five states, gone nine miles a day, and I'm going to walk across the entire country, uh-huh. taking pictures of something good and talking to people. Um, if we're grounded in what is authentic will all come back again and the ones again i think that will thrive not just survive are the ones who know concretely what business they're in and what purpose it is that they're they're serving that's what i believe and i have a lot of data to, to back that up
0: important to write it down
1: yes it's not only important to write it down. So many people get confused between purpose and mission statements. Mission <laughs> statements are the ones that you go, you know, we're in the business of increasing shareholder value and uh, improving the wh- in wh- whatever. And by the time you, you get You have a done, very New York voice when you <laughs> say that. I didn't mean to be that <laughs> one. It, you get into this, no, your purpose is that definitive statement. Like okay. BMW's purpose worldwide is to enable people to enjoy the joy of driving. They're in the joy business. Everything they do, every innovation they do, tries to improve the joy of driving. And and because they're an independent company, they can invest in it and they can move it forward. When you look at the Legacy Foundation or the American Red Cross or Google, I don't know exactly the words, their purpose is to help you find what you're looking for. Yeah. That's not mumbo jumbo. No. Our purpose is to help you find what you're looking for. Right. I like that. When you look at Johnson & Johnson to alleviate pain and suffering, I got it. Right. Uh, So, Pampers, you look at the big Pampers brand, which is featured in our book, and we don't represent them, but a good friend of mine was the CMO. When they really understood this, they moved from keeping the baby's butt dry business to the child development business because they realized at some moment in time that if the more a kid sleeps the more development they have so they laddered up to child development and they made all these massive improvements in their product and they parted with UNICEF and they became an eight billion dollar brand so purpose will see you through
0: Roy Spence the the book it's not what you sell it's what you stand for the imprint is portfolio speaking here with Paul McLaughlin work Wonk, your audio guide to the workplace oh, what happened in America in 2008 Roy Spence your opinion, what happened to purpose
1: i don 't know. I think that um, I, I believe in um, the grit and determination of the American people. I think that uh, as we 're looking what happened when, when we 're looking forward it's we 've got to get back and settle down and and you know a friend of mine used to tell me you know. When you've d- dug yourself in a big, deep hole, the first thing you've got to do is stop digging. Uh huh. You're not going to dig your way out of this hole. We have to stop digging, take right. a deep breath, and say, and I'm, I'm not saying that what this, I, I believe that we have to pass some stimulus. I think we've got to put some stability in this country. I'm not a policy guy. But I think that at some point, it wasn't just 2008. It was the buildup of what are we about as a nation, right. and I've always believed that the miracle of America was the fact that we were big because we were small. We had small uh-huh. business. All
0: politics is local.
1: And that the miracle of America was in, we invented the middle class in a sense. We built invil- uh-huh. And you show me a strong middle class, I'll show you a strong democracy around the world. Right. So I think that as we're looking at the core of our culture in America, and I'm going to say this the best way I know how. When you have a financial crisis of this magnitude, you have to deal with money. And CFOs start running the business, and money people have to. That translates into potential layoffs. It translates into a potential sea change in your culture. Right. And that's the fear part. Yep. If your culture fundamentally gets destroyed. Right. When you get down to that bottom and you ask about realignment, you have two roads to go on. You can go and say, wait a minute, we're going to rediscover and reignite our purpose. That's one road. Or we're going to go out there and try to grasp for a new one. I believe the American people are going to ground us. I don't think government's going to ground us. I don't think big business is going to ground us. I think the American people are going to say, okay, we're going to stop now. We're not digging anymore.
0: We're going isolationist? No.
1: You know why? How do you uh, reconcile to, okay. Young people. If you look at what you're doing with your show right now, Uh and you look at the social networks that are out there right now, this is why purpose is even more important. If companies don't get this, there's a great quote, I don't know who said it, but it's a, there's a new book out by a guy named Dave Evans. It's called The Social Media Marketing. A friend of mine, and he said, sunlight is the greatest disinfection. Transparency with the internet. If you don't have a purpose, if you're trying to hide something, the game is over. Yeah. Young people are not isolationist they are global citizens because of the internet so I don't think we can They really don't know boundaries no they're forward right they're forward but that's America but
0: they are the solution you You and I are not the solution
1: no sir we are not what we have to become is championing the purpose of the country and let them become of the people for the people the internet is going to repurpose America it is going to be of the people it's going to be for the people and it's going to be by the people whether the government likes it or not it's over. Game well, is Well, I over. think the
0: Obama government gets it.
1: And, and we'll see how government itself gets it. Right. Game is now over. We have to look to the idea that the young millennials are going to say two things. I want a nation of the people for the people, a world, actually. Uh-huh. And we're going to have progress and not leave people behind. And I'm going to do business with people whom I trust. And by the way, it's not your decision whether I trust you or not anymore. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have a purpose and you don't have something that you're doing besides making money, they're going to see through it. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to buy what you're selling.
0: To the extent, I'm going to shift gears here a little bit okay. with Roy Spence, but to the extent that it has been said that particularly on Wall Street, which is an odd, uh, an odd creature in and of itself, I mean, it's, it's separate from certainly some of the kinds of organizations that you have dealt with, that there was, uh, that compensation was an issue. Compensation really was an issue from, from two, two perspectives. One is, people will do, will have a tendency, people will have a tendency to do what they're compensated for, so that they will, they will pursue that which brings them the, the most filthy lucre. That's the way it works. And that secondly, they were able to lug money out of the system before the real results were in. When you look at those businesses or those professions, medicine may be something different heading in a slightly different direction. What do you think about the issue of the free market and compensation as it will drive the next um, economic development in this country? Are Are people going to go to areas in which they will make the money which doesn't necessarily go to your point about purpose or will they be satisfied with a cap if you will on everybody as perhaps the government will achieve through its regulation of the financial services business which theoretically has been more lucrative than any other how's it gonna work
1: i'm a free market guy okay and um, I think that um, I don't believe in ceilings. I do believe in if you're, not, if you're not in the business of improving people's lives, which they were not, they were in the money making business. At some point, um, I agree with what Obama's doing right now. I believe if taxpayers are funding and supporting, at some point, you've got to realign it for a while. I happen to be a believer in the in the in uh, long term the spirit and the goodness of human beings. I understand the issue of greed. I get it. Yep. Uh, I understand it. I have huge faith in the next generation. I have okay. huge, huge faith. That, that is that,
0: that is based on what? You have, you have a faith based faith based purpose. I,
1: I, because everything I know about and read about in my my daughter Courtney Spence is twenty eight. She started a thing called Students of the World. She sh- shot documentaries all over the world. Uh, my middle daughter is at, back in Austin, Texas, working on community projects. I, I believed in the end game that, and I don't know this to be true, that, that we're going to have to do something right now to stabilize things. And whether we, the, it's the right policy or not, I cannot comment. But we're in the st- st- stop digging stabilizing. Okay. And at some point... I think that we can't over-regulate and we can't under-regulate. What we have to do is, I'm sorry I have to say this, we have to champion is, is our generation, core purposes and values. Uh, which generation are you referring you to? You and me. Right. Have to we champion have core it for and others, and for it, just ourselves? Speak to the values okay. and the purpose of what we're trying to do so that the young people who already intuitively know it know that we are on their side. This country is not for us anymore.
0: Right. That big issue of wealth transfer that they were talking about that was going to happen in the next decade that went away.
1: It's that's exactly right, because it was on shifting sand. I would. It was only money. I would. I would. And and by the way, I am not a believer that there's a trade-off between purpose and money. I want to make money by making a difference. That's absolutely. That, the, that we are not making any kind of trade-off here. Making money is not bad. Making money is good, if you're doing good. Mm-hmm. So I think our job is to champion the values and purpose of this great country. And instead of worrying about wealth transfer, I think we need to worry about values transfer, okay. purpose transfer, to right. say, we've got a chance to do over and get this right again. We're a young nation, and we've got young people who believe in the power of values and purpose. It's humming. It's coming. We've got a little setback right now, but uh, I'm an optimist about it. And I'm determined to do with what I can do. A little piece right. is to champion the idea. If you're going to rebuild, let's rebuild on purpose. Let's go to the anchor in the foundation of this nation.
0: And the one of the anchors is capitalism. Absolutely, critical.
1: I think that. Um, Yes. I think that in the end, it's free enterprise. I like it better than capitalism. Okay. I think the idea that we are a nation that, it, you know, it's so fun to go up and say, what do you do versus where do you come from? Right. What's your family do? Right. What do you do? That's the way we ask people. Hi, what do you do?
0: That, but that's typically American. I like that. They, they don't tell you in, in Europe, for instance, that's not a question that's they'll ask. That's what I'm ask. saying. That's why I think yeah.
1: America was, is a blessed place. It's, it's what do you do? You go back to this thing. What work at hand... What do you do for work? What's uh-huh. your work? And that's why when we don't have jobs, and by the way, around the world the number one issue is jobs. Jobs. You show me someone. Well to, the
0: world is united in a way that it seldom has been in the past.
1: And we need work. We have work to do. I always tell people, what is the work that we need to do? And let the jobs follow. What is the work that we need to do? And the work we got a lot of stuff we gotta work on. And again, I'm not a policy guy, but I would concentrate on what is the work we need to do, and let's make sure we fund those operations that, that solve those work problems, and D- jobs will follow.
0: Take uh, I'm going to take a, a couple of minutes uh, uh, on a pet subject here, and that's uh, smoking in the American Legacy Foundation, and particularly the the program that you put, Create an X, or in your own words, yeah. what what that was. Um, how, how do you, because you've been involved in it. Just the subject of smoking in America, where where do you come out on that?
1: Well, um, I I believe in the purpose of legacy. I think we ought to create an environment where young people reject it and anyone can quit. I I don't, you know, we would not represent a tobacco company. I I will tell you this. When we created this little campaign called Don't Mess With Texas, people don't know it was an anti-litter campaign. And it'll, it'll wrap around the smoking issue. And so we, we remember the old campaign, don't pollute, give a hoot, yeah. and the crying Indian. Well, I didn't remember
0: it, but I saw it in your book. I'm <laughs> not sure I ever saw the crying Indian, but I, oh, it was, it was I powerful, one of the most
1: powerful ads ever produced. Okay. a long time ago. And because it, the Native American was saying, y'all are ruining our, our, our nation, right. our country. And so when we pitched the anti-litter campaign in Texas, we said the Sierra Club does not litter. So we don't want to do work that makes them feel good. It's Billy Bob Bowtree from Tyler, Texas, He thinks it's the rite of passage, or Brownwood, Texas, to throw beer cans on the side of the highway. So why don't we get out of the litter business and get into the Texas pride business? Don't mess with Texas. When Stevie Ray Vaughan, God rest his soul, did our first commercial, and he looks into the microphone after playing this song, and he says, don't mess with Texas. The highway department, average age 100, <laughs> said, We don't get it. And I went, Great, it's not for you. <laughs> what my point is, we use marketing to change behavior. Uh huh. Litter was down on Texas Highway 76% in four years. Willie Nelson, the Dallas Cowboys, because we weren't in the litter business, we were in the pride business. Right. The reason I love the business I'm in. If you work for organizations like we were talking about, former President Bush 41 and, and, and Bill Clinton, you can use the power of the media to do extraordinarily good things. You can change behavior like X, like the Truth Campaign. I believe that people can cha- you can change behavior not through punishment or fines, but by showing people a new way. And uh, I think we can with smoking as well. So I, I don't know if I answered your question or not, but I, I believe in the purpose of the Legacy Foundation.
0: Yeah, and it certainly comes through. I think that the uh, you know, um, uh, Red Cross has had a, a similar issue because of, if you will, topical snafus. Yeah. They have to redefine their purpose for the American people so that they, they gather yeah. support for that one of the things that uh is interesting about these kinds of organizations it it seems like they went on for a long time without a definition of purpose and in in part what you were able to do is help crystallize that right um, as it, not necessarily a slogan but more more a yeah. bit w- 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 depth in that
1: and i think your your observation we don't create purpose we help people articulate it yeah you know and when you hear Stories about the Red Cross, and we were interviewing one volunteer, and it's stunning the volunteers around the world. We empower them to go do extraordinary things, and she said, "You know, and that, and I remember this, and was, that she, this woman said, when the call to evacuate goes forth, that's when we show up for duty." Right. Great organizations have a purpose. What I'm saying is we have to now articulate them and champion them. And we must be in the, cha- in the, in the role of a CEO is to be the champion of that purpose. If you don't know what it is, how are you going to champion it?
0: And it's tough to sell if you're not passionate about it. That's
1: right. And if it's not authentic.
0: If it's Not the real thing.
1: And, but it will, I promise you, it will, it will anchor you and it will give you a North Star. And against all odds, if you will stick to that, if you know what that purpose is, you're going to change positioning, you're going to change marketing, you're going to change CEOs. But the Constitution of the United States was written for a reason. It was our anchor. It was our North Star. It was the purpose of this country. Let's go back and revisit that. It will give us new light, I promise you.
0: From your lips to God's ears. That's what we need. That that purpose will rebuild confidence, and confidence and faith is what.
1: And what we have to do, Emerson said, you got to put the creed in your deeds. You got to walk the walk. Yeah. Well, those are
0: slogans, but they 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 resonate more today because we see the impact when people don't follow the creed and people don't believe what they're hearing uh, and and take a particularly. I'm not sure that. I'm not sure that the that government writ large is in communion with the general public, which which may be part of the issue here. As we if we stop digging, and not clear whether the public stops digging or government stops digging.
1: I think it's sooner or later. If we go back up and for the people, the people will say stop digging. I will tell you one other thing about purpose. In today's uh, or this week's New York Times, it was uh, we represent the PGA Tour and. Their purpose is to be the exception in sports, pay the price to be exceptional. Integrity, passion. Sports page, uh, I think the headline said, uh, wrong ball, right move. Here's a golfer who found out he accidentally hit the wrong ball in a tournament, turned himself in for hitting the wrong golf ball. And
0: Well after the fact and nobody would well, have noticed and no it. one cared. No. No one cared. Nobody would have noticed and nobody cared. And he did. Yeah.
1: And then you've got a steroid issue on the other side. I think that I'm not trying to make goody-two-shoes, but I think the age of values and purpose is upon us, and I think that it is going to set people free to do the right thing. I do not know what's going to happen in our monetary policy, monetary policy, our fiscal policy. I do know what's going to happen in our purpose policy. We're going to go back to that and say, what difference are you trying to make? Are you in the business of improving lives? It doesn't have to be big stuff. When you go home at night, are you trying to improve your family? When you get up in the morning, you're trying to. what product or service are you trying to do? So I think I'm optimistic about Great. this. I really am. I'm but, determined, but I'm optimistic.
0: Well, I think you've got to be both. That's exactly right. You, you had to be persistent.
1: <laughs> that's exactly right.
0: Roy Spence, uh, the book, It's Not What You Sell, It's What You Stand For, Why Every Extraordinary Business is Driven by Purpose, written with uh, Haley Rushing. Thanks very much for joining me this morning.
1: It's been a treat, my friend. It's great to see you, and I love what you're doing. Thanks.
0: And thank you, Roy Spence, joining me today in uh, New York City. Happy to have him with us, and happy, more happy to have you join me, Paul McLaughlin, The Work Wonk, your audio guide to the workplace, here on McLaughlin at Work where we bring you the best in management leadership and employment. In this case, all about purpose. It's not what you sell, it's what you stand for, why every extraordinary business is driven by purpose. It's what has made Roy Spence as successful as he is and what can help you on the road to success of your own. Here in these troubled times. Looking for the best of it, and if we can start with an established purpose for that which might have been drifty through particularly the last of 08 as we struggle to find something that is meaningful, something that is value, something that people will pay us for and can keep the economy going. Paul McLaughlin, always with purpose here on McLaughlin at Work, and a footnote, if you would like to have on your own website a contained message that you can deliver with me as a prop, as a platform to give authenticity and to humanize executive communication. That's what this platform provides. Listen in with McLaughlin at Work, me, Paul McLaughlin, as your guide and host here, not only on McLaughlin at Work, but also can be a platform on your website to have your specific message either delivered internally on the intranet or externally. It's an effective, more effective way of presenting yourself in a very contained and scripted fashion. Your executive voice on your website with your message. Nothing's more powerful than that and what is more lacking on websites around this country particularly than the voice of the executive or senior management, the chief executive officer or senior management. Get it on your own website and I can help you put it there in a quality way with a quality message that speaks to your employees, your customers, your investors, your shareholders, your stakeholders. In a way that the message is what you would like to say, not something found on YouTube or something more in a social network sense. Contain the message, make it your message, make it personal, make it real, make it stick, make it important. Paul McLaughlin can help you that with that special program called Listen In. The audio platform that humanizes executive management. Give me an email. Paul at TheMcLaughlinCompany.com will set something up, particularly if you're in New York City. Set something up so we can make it happen for you on your website. With me, Paul McLaughlin, The Work Wonk, your audio guide to the workplace, here on webtalkradio.net and also available on your website. Till then, and next week's episode. Thanks for listening. See you later.